Brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like a regular episode. Only shorter. We call them bites. It's such a pleasure to have you with us for an Appleseed Bite, a mini episode of the show, just a single story long, just a few minutes in case you've only got a few minutes and you want to fill those few minutes with some great storytelling. And we've got some for you today. We want to remind you that we bring you a few of these bites each week in preparation for our Thursday full hour long episode drop, an hour filled with stories for you and your family. Tune in this Thursday for a story from the wonderful North Carolina storyteller Donna Washington. She'll tell a story called Bastianello about, well, there's all kinds kinds of silliness in that story that you're going to enjoy. And you'll also hear a Reader's Theater presentation of a scene from the classic Lewis Carroll story, Through the Looking Glass. And in the meantime, I'm pleased to have in the studio with me Lacey Olson, one of our assistant producers. Lacey, it's a pleasure to have you with me. It's good to be here. And let's talk about what we're going to hear today on our bite. Yeah, today we're going to hear a story from Bruce Walker, a really fun Southern classic storyteller. And he just talks about his past life growing up and his family and the place where they come from and what it means to him and how special it is. Yeah, it's just a story filled with memories, isn't it? Filled with Mm -hmm. childhood and family memories. And this is exactly the kind of storytelling that, frankly, we hope people who listen to The Appleseed engage in with each other around the kitchen table in the living room. And here's Bruce Walker. The story is called Sunday on Walker's Bend, and we're happy to bring it to you as today's Appleseed Bite. I was just thinking about this modern, hectic, internet-connected, 24-7 news-collected, wacky wireless, Wi-Fi-selected world that we live in. You see more advertising for Xanax and Zoloft than you do for milk and bread. This life is driving us all crazy. Now, some of you have already arrived, and I won't point you out, but look in the rearview mirror because we're coming up fast right behind you. Got me to thinking about how I was raised as a young boy. The pace of life on Walker's Bend was easy to follow. Jumping out from a mound of hand-stitched quilts on a cold January morning in St. Clair County, Alabama, into a flannel shirt that I had already buttoned up the night before. I pulled it over my head, shivering from the cold, and made a beeline to the single source of heat in the whole house, a wood-burning pot-bellied stove out in the kitchen. With a smell of hickory and buttermilk swirling around, Mama would be kneading out dough to make cathead biscuits to go with the chocolate soup bubbling on the stove. Granddaddy would be sitting at the table, pouring hot coffee out of his cup into his saucer and blowing on it, before slurping it right down and reaching with his other hand to tune in the morning farm report on the big brown boxed radio. This is Joe Rumor with the morning farm report, brought to you by the Dead and Debtor Funeral Home, straight from the AP wire. Livestock report. Cutting canners are down, and the freshen heifers up one and three quarters with corn and wheat mixed. Beans and silage leads the decline of the overall market. Winter wheat and soybeans made a resurgence based on indeterminate market conditions. We will be right back after the sick and shut-in report by I'm a Gaffney. <laughs> it was a school day. If the house was quiet and no tempting aromas wafted from the kitchen, 
It was Saturday, sure as the world. Mama didn't cook breakfast on Saturdays. It was leftovers from supper. I can still see that old table with a white sheet pulled over it. I'd grab some cornbread, fruit preserves from under the sheet, wolf down some mouthfuls. I know some of you think that's not proper food safety etiquette, but it didn't kill anyone, as far as I know. Now, the Reeb and Rabe show with the Sunday Mountain Boys would be playing softly on the radio, or what today we call bluegrass music. I'd put on my black rubber boots and do my chores. After dinner, my lunch, and the work done, Granddaddy'd load me and my cousins in the back of the pickup. We'd always fight over who got to sit on the tailgate and dangle their feet, and then head into town for the afternoon. Down on the court square, there was homemade quilts hung up for sale, and old men sitting around whittling stick horses and doll faces, wood soldiers, big bunches of sugarcane stalks stacked up teepee style, with fresh cane syrup and shiny tin buckets hanging beneath, and on the courthouse steps, there'd be live music and preachers. It was a cacophony of smells, sights, and sounds. Usually, me and my cousins wound up over at the picture show. We left the preaching and the singing to the adults. Granddaddy would give each of us 50 cents. Now, playing at the Paramount would be a triple feature. Lone Ranger, Sky King, Dell Evans, Roy Rogers. The bad guys got the drubbing all afternoon. We would finish up our Saturday in town with five-cent popcorn and seven-cent Cokes. Sundays, now that was a different pace on Walker's Bend. Even the early morning crowing of the rooster sounded righteous. In the kitchen, Mama'd be frying chicken in an old cast-iron black skillet that she used only for that purpose. It was what she called seasoned. No radio would be playing unless it was preaching or gospel music. Mama'd be softly humming, Rock of Ages or When I Take My Vacation in Heaven. We only did the basic chores, feed the livestock, gather eggs, and I milked Bossy the cow. Her real name was Big T... Oh, never mind. Now, on a wire hanger on the back of my bedroom door would be a cardboard stiff white shirt and freshly ironed pair of bib overalls. Those shirts were so stiff, my grandfather could have used them when he was patching the side of the chicken coop. No wonder I was a redneck, as stiff as those collars were. Sunday was a day set aside strictly for the worship of the Lord. No ball playing with my cousins or slipping off down to the Coosa River with my brothers. And if we weren't having dinner on the ground up at the church, we would all gather up at my grandparents' dinner table. Uncles, aunts, cousins by the dozens, in-laws and outlaws, a few wayfaring strangers, even a preacher or two. There was a bountiful supply of food spread across that long black oak table. That table was hauled in by ox-drawn wagon way before my granddaddy's time. Everything was hand-grown and home-cooked on that table. We would spend the afternoon eating, talking, singing, and just enjoying each other's company. As the sun began to dip behind the ridges, Aunt Versy would come walking up the dirt road from her house with her auto harp. Mama Walker would take off her white apron and drape it across the end of the piano and sit down and play. And a few of my uncles would drift in, bringing their guitars and mandolins. Uncle Lester would get his fiddle out of a burlap sack. 
and we would play and sing and be just thankful. As the music flowed out of the living room and onto the porch, it created a cleansing, healing river. Neighbors, family, and friends gathered round, a foot tap here and there, nodding heads in time, softly talking to one another, or singing along with an old familiar song. Grandma not only sung the old hymns, now she played the piano down at the church, she had songs we didn't sing down at the church. She loved ragtime music. Dunthebeck's Machine, my favorite. <laughs> oh, Mr. Dunthebeck, me thinks you're very mean. Me thinks that you'll be sorry for the invention of dot machine. Of course, the cats, the long-tailed rats, will never more be seen. Grind them up in sausage meat in Dunthebeck's Machine. <laughs> All of us kids loved it. She sang the St. Louis Stompin' Blues, and then she would roll her eyes at my grandpa and sing, I'm a wild, wild woman, and you're a very lucky man. <laughs> Didn't understand why the adults all laughed when she sang that one until I was nearly grown. It was so peaceful, even the trees sounded like they were singing as the evening breeze off the Coosa River cooled things down. Some might have said, Walker's Bend was parochial, restrictive, or just plain backwards. But in fact, it was just the opposite. This place was a spiritual, meditative retreat. You didn't need to go to Tibet, India, or even Santa Fe to find your inner self. You couldn't find a more spiritual place than what you would feel and understand on a Sunday at Walker's Bend. Sunday on Walker's Bend from Bruce Walker there. Uh, Lacey Olson, thanks for bringing that story to us. Yeah, I was glad to bring it. <laughs> and as you listen to that story, again, it's just a story filled with, you know, memories of Bruce's youth, right? Mm -hmm. um, where does that story take you? It actually reminded me a lot of my own childhood, which wasn't too far away, and it definitely probably doesn't compare in quite the same way. But my dad's side of the family, they grew up on a ranch here in the local mountains, mm. and it's been something in our family that we've had and we've kept with us, or kind of our own little walker's bend, you know, our little family <laughs> ranch that we had, and... It was always a place that we had family gatherings or wedding receptions. Hmm. And I remember my grandma telling stories about what life was like to grow up on the ranch and to drive the tractor and milk the cows and, and to live by the river and all those cool things. <laughs> and as I grew up later in life and my grandma has passed away and a lot of her siblings have passed away, the family has just decided that it was better to sell the ranch and you know, move on because it was something that was kind of more in the past than sure. it was in the present. And yeah. so that was kind of a, a shocking reality for me because huh. it was something I had grown up with. And now just kind of having that realization of, oh, I can't just go drive up to the ranch and go walk around anymore and oh, sure, go look yeah. at everything there. But I like at the end how he talks about, you know, it was a place of spiritual meditation, of thinking about life, of coming to know yourself and Something I've come to realize through that is, that, you know, that place is very special and dear to dear to me, but uh, it doesn't have to just 
remain as the place that's special, right? It's always in with me. It's always sure. a memory I'll have. And I'm grateful to carry that around. Yeah. And as you talk about that, I think of those places that we think will always be there, you know, uh, or those people that we think will always be there. Mm-hmm. And 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 then they go away and, and, and you find yourself left with only what you have took time to gather about them, you know, the memories and the stories. And, 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 and you find yourself always, you know, wishing that you had more meticulously gathered memories, more meticulously recorded things. But you're also filled with the riches of the things that you did record, the things that you did, the things that you have talked about as a family, the things that you have stored up, you know, for when those things are gone. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to Lacey Olson about this story Sunday on Walker's Bend. It was a pleasure to bring you the story. Tune in, of course, on Thursday for our full hour-long episode of the show featuring stories from the great North Carolina storyteller Donna Washington and uh, a, a little bit of Lewis Carroll's terrific classic Through the Looking Glass presented by a terrific Reader's Theater before our live studio audience. You won't want to miss that. I'm Sam Payne. Can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for a bite. Brought to you by The Appleseed.